0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the R.I.P. Tour podcast. Uh, My name is Ash. I'll be your tour guide for today. And this episode, we're trying to squeeze this in before the start of Halloween Horror Nights 32. This is a history of the universal classic monsters that are featured at Halloween Horror Nights, specifically Orlando. Now, I can't do this alone. I have one tour guide with me and a special guest. So firstly, the tour guide, Tim, what's going on? What up? I showed up for work. Yes, Se- sec- second second <laughs> one today, right? Second second job today. Yes. Yes, I feel and ha- bad. I've been I've been off all day. Wow, well, must be nice. Well, how are you, Ash? How was your day off? Yeah, good. Back to work tomorrow. I've got four full shifts now until horror night. So yeah, not too. Get th- those will come by pretty quickly. So we're almost yeah, we were, there. Tim.
1: We were just discussing that at dinner. Eight sleeps.
0: Eight sleeps, crazy. Eight sleeps. There? Tomorrow we'll be able to say a week away. Well, as of recording, we'll be able to say a I week know, away. I know. Crazy, but. crazy. Awesome. And then joining us again, um, regular guest on the show. I feel like if that if we had opening credits, Sidney, his name is probably in it by now. Uh, but inside Universal's very own Brian, what's going on, man?
2: What's up, everyone? Or I guess two of y'all.
0: Yes, <laughs> we appreciate you. Yes, appreciate you joining <laughs> us again. For sure. So we we did talk about this, and we wanted to get you on. Specifically for this one, just because the topic we do in Universal Monsters is a rich history at Halloween Horror Nights does goes quite a mm-hmm. quite a long way back and you've been there. I'm not calling you old, but you've been there and done it. So I yeah, am
2: definitely. old and I have I have gone to Horror Nights long enough where my horror nights experience is old enough to drink.
0: There you go. Oh. <laughs> there you go. No, man. I don't feel old at all. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So n- nice and simple. We do like to do these little mini history episodes for things that are coming to the event just to acquaint people with history of that's been at the event for example now we are going to kind of blow through the early years and then we'll kind of discuss it in more detail from halloween horror nights 14 onwards because that's when at least two of us on this show have been onwards here so basically halloween horror nights i think especially nowadays there's been a resurgence in the popularity of universal classic monsters. We've had you no know, four slash five given the COVID year a run of maze in a row. And there's such an influx now of popular culture, you know, like NECA have released all their figures, Ninja Turtles have done a line, for example, It's just, just kind of reigniting the monster craze. But I, I feel like this, and I don't know if you will agree with this. I feel like it was more of a cult classic to like the universal monsters. Um, but now it's more, pardon the pun, universally accepted. Now with the newer fans really getting into, it. would that is that fair? What was it a cult classic? Now it's mainstream. Brian, what do you think? Have, that's
2: tough to say because at the end of the day, the monster's always had a presence, yeah. And and the zeitgeist of pop culture, I think now it's more popular than ever. But I think it, I don't think cult classic is is the appropriate term. Um, yeah, that's tricky because i I mean, if you think about it, they've tried to reboot the monsters over and yeah. over and over, and they finally nailed it with the, the mummy in 99 and we'll get into into that later obviously because it was a maze, but I mean now it's definitely at a tight where I mean
0: keep them coming, but <laughs> yeah, no, I agree I, I agree completely because you see both ways, Tim
1: um I, I think i'm I'm in agreement with Brian. I don't think it's a cult class it's like they're classic. I mean, it's basically what started horror, right? There's all these classic monsters.
0: Yeah. Started Universal. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, I mean, they've always been there. I, but I agree. I think nowadays it is just so heightened. And then just more people are just on board. So,
0: yeah. And especially, obviously, pop culture getting bigger, you know, it's the more. I yeah. don't know, easily accessible to people as well but for sure yeah so obviously we're going to talk about this because another monster maze we've had revealed universal monsters unmasked so like i said we wanted to take a walk down memory lane look at that house that carl lemley built to discuss all the time universal classic monsters featured at halloween horror night so we're going to talk about their appearances in their dedicated mazes and zones so we're not talking about likeness if they've been in a maze for example jack presents whether been be scare actor dining, gallery of legends, at a media night, for example, so we'll kind of skip those and just talk about the dedicated things. But firstly, they haven't been they haven't featured every year in Orlando. Uh, to come to you, Tim, should the monsters always feature at Halloween Horror Nights in some capacity?
1: Hundred percent, yes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: I, like I'm, I, I'm
1: kind of surprised that they haven't been there every year. Um considering, you know, universal. <laughs> um but yeah, and I don't I don't see this going away anytime soon.
0: Yep, I agree. Uh Brian?
2: I am gonna argue against that because I think at a certain point you kind of give it a break just to let it sort of reset itself, give it a refresh. Because at this point what we got? We've had Wolfman, Dracula, the Mummy, Frankenstein. In some cases, we've had multiple variations of those core. Uh, this year, we'll have Phantom. Some of the quote, no offense to anybody listening, but the lesser known monsters. Yeah. Um, and I think the only one they really haven't touched upon yet is is the creature, other than the the compilation house. of you Tim's
1: ready. I'm ready. I've been ready. So yeah, no, that's the, that's the one I've been
2: asking for all the time.
1: But bring it.
2: I think at that point, then you kind of got to let like, it breathe a little bit especially with epic universe opening and and, and having their own version of, of the monsters
0: true yeah i think it's good obviously keeping these alive um while we get epic you know keep keep them popular uh i'm kind of in the middle with both of you guys i think they should always feature in some capacity n- n- maybe not amazing, maybe not a scare zone feature in some way um but the current you know current climate we're in where they have one every year as long as they are keeping them to a high high level i'm okay with it coming back every year but i'm with you guys fingers crossed for creature from the black lagoon come just on his own uh, as that's
1: next that's next year right and then, and then and then brian can have his break
0: there you go yeah <laughs>
1: I will never rest until Hellraiser
0: comes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So let, let, let's let get into it. So we're going to go back to where it all began. I'll kind of fly through this, for lack of a better term, when we kind of discuss the first decade at the end. So let's go back to where it all began. Fright Nights, 1991. We did get roaming monster actors. They were also featured in marketing, the event guide. We also had a sh- sort of a show that year. We had Dr. Frankenstein's theater, featuring Mistress of the Night, I guess like an Elvira um, tribute, if you will, uh, Frankenstein and Dracula, where you could watch monster movies in the American Tale theater, which which changed over to Beetlejuice's Graveyard Review. And then considering that the Universal Classic Monsters did feature heavily in terms of marketing in 1991, we didn't see them again, apart from select roaming roles until 95. So we had a four-year break there as they would feature in one of the three mazes. Curse of the Crypt Keeper, Halloween Horror Nights 5. Now this will start a pretty long stretch of having the Universal Classic Monsters featured every year and this was called Universal's House of Horror and it was the said to be the second ever dual path maze after the Boneyard and it featured the usual Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, Phantom, Hunchback, Wolfman, the Mummy and very fitting for this year as well, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And you could choose two pathways, which would lead you through either Universal Classic Monsters. Now, it's tough back then because they don't have direct accounts, but the other path was supposedly more contemporary horror. Uh, Think of Psycho, um, Chucky apparently as well. So two paths there. Fast forward another year. We had Journey into Fear, 96. We got Universal's new House of Horrors. Again, that was in Soundstage 22. Um, same kind of concept, two paths, one universal classic monsters, one more of real life horror stories. Think Lizzie Borden, Jack the Ripper, um, things of that nature. Uh, Also 97, we had universal's museum of horror. Um, this was billed as the world's only museum where the guards have to warn the exhibits not to touch visitors and the accounts and the videos. They show a mixture of universal classic monsters and then more horror icons, but it is unclear if they had two paths. Again, 1998, uh, we had two two mazes that year. We had Universal Museum of Horror, Chamber of Horrors, and Universal Museum of Horror, Unnatural History. Instead of two separate paths this year, they had two separate houses that did share the same soundstage. Again, one featured the Universal Classic Monsters; uh, the other did have more contemporary movies uh, i've seen the video as well for this we have poltergeist exorcist american werewolf in london halloween just to name a few and then 99 the last gasp event this is this is the start of well not the start of but this was the first ever 3d maze this was universal's creature feature in 3d they did paint all the rooms in the bright neon and we have the chroma depth um that we did have in horror nights ever since i think brian they've, they've always used chroma depth, right?
2: Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I Uh, think think that the the new one, well, no, they did change it. Oh man. I want to say there was the new technology. I can't remember if it was either the chance house or if it was before that with after afterlife. Gotcha. That's vengeance.
0: Okay. Yep. Yep. And then the concept art for this 3d maze was an old fashioned movie theater with the posters, Broken walls, admission windows, blood running down the stairs, and then this was a bit of a bit of a hybrid because it was said to have universal classic monsters with winks and nods to contemporary horror. For example, Blair Witch was in like the Wolfman's kind of outdoor woods scene. Uh, it was a pretty cool take, and also, more notably, we had the Mummy, um one of the more better reboots. Of the Universal Classic Monsters that was located in the Earthquake Queue, which featured a sort of remake of the original Mummy movie. Um, obviously, an Egyptian maze with different forms of Imhotep throughout the maze, who did serve as the kind of unofficial mascot or icon for that year. Um, f- then we had Universal Classic Monster Mania in 2010, and this was the first original icon year, Halloween Horror Nights 10, again in the Earthquake Queue. Um, and this was Universal. They did stop production of a monster movie in 1950. The footage, we presume, lost. Uh, the sets were stored in a dark warehouse. And now, 50 years later, you're invited to view the lost scenes for the first time. And this was the first time they did more of a an original take on their own IP, where they, they tried to make these monsters more grotesque, uh, more horrifying with black, white, and color scenes. Uh, very cool. For the first time, apparently, the, the swamp area for Creature. We just talked about it. Um, and then before we get into the years we've been, finally 2001, Halloween Horror Nights 11, we did have a loose tie-in. As we did have The Mummy Returns, The Curse Continues, and this was again a sequel to the 1999 The Mummy movie slash maze. And I think that that maze was supposed to be called The Tomb of Terror, I believe, but they changed it given the circumstances from that year. But uh, that's it. So from Fright Nights all the way up to 2001, we had a very good stretch in there, I think of seven, eight years in a row. I'll come to you first, Brian. Those those kind of early years seemed more of like a compilation house, if you will. I mean, what are your thoughts on the first, I guess, eleven years and how maybe the monsters maybe shaped the event?
2: Yeah. Um obviously that was they were important core as the event grew. And especially back then, I mean, it's it's crazy to think how sort of it's a term I'm to use local that the event was, even though they're using these properties like the mummy and the monsters. um, All I can think about is remembering as, as I was growing up, those old Pepsi commercials where they were trying to um, get everybody to go to Halloween Horror Nights where the the ticket was on the back of a Pepsi or a Coca-Cola can (laughs) and they would use the different monsters to advertise it. Um, But yeah, it was definitely uh, an important part of the, as as the event grew fact. I started catching wind of horror nights as, as wanting to go when the mummy showed up because I was a big fan of the movie. So when I saw that there was a mummy house, I was like, Oh, I kind of want to go to this thing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the 1999 movie was so good. And I think they used, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I believe I read somewhere that they did use, I think some official props from the movie as well. I don't know if that's correct. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Yeah, Tim, what about the importance of these first 10, 11 years for the monsters?
1: I mean, super important. I mean, they're setting it up, right?
0: Yes, exactly. Now, yeah, I'm going to go over a couple of... After we go to the next year, I'm going to ask you both a question as well. Okay. Yeah, I think um, yeah, setting it up is just perfect because they're, they're they're using their own property, right? And they've just started to kind of take the initiative with maybe taking a more original take on on these monsters because I think it could get a little tired if it's just the same monster in their normal setting every year, right? Makes sense. Agreed. All righty. So let's get into it. Uh, Brian, so at this point, you'll have done um, Islands of Fear and you've done Halloween Horror Nights 13 at this point before we get the next one at Halloween Horror Nights 14, correct? Yep. All righty. So yes, Halloween Horror Nights 14, twice the fear. So we had to wait another three years. Um, back in from 2001 to 2014, we got the next universal classic monster maze, which was again, a a, a more different take on them. It was their likeness. And that was horror in wax in soundstage 20. Now this was a big, this was the start of the websites as well. Now the website at this point was highly utilized and the journal entry on the website was one Gunter Dietz. It was his horror museum. Uh, talking about his unfinished wax museum, and I think this sums it up perfectly. Uh, the Horror in Wax was a wax museum that aimed to recreate the moments from classic universal horror movies, wax statues of monsters such as Lon Chaney Jr.'s The Wolfman and Boris Karloff's Imhotep Frankenstein's Monster were on display for all to see, as well as recreations of the sets, which these monsters wreaked havoc. Gunther would create these wax statues by kidnapping live victims and submerging them in a vat of hot wax, and then obviously wax versions of all the universal classic monsters were featured in this maze. Brian, I'm going to flip it over to you. I know the the kind of memory gets hazy for how many mazes you've been through, right? But just this maze in general, uh, this would have been your first introduction to universal classic monsters at the event. So uh, how'd you like this maze?
2: Yeah. In fact, I, I don't remember specifics of the maze, but I do remember that was the first maze I did for the, uh, for my trip, because I was still oh, living nice. in Miami at the time. And I was like, because, the, oh, finally, the monsters, I get to experience a monster house. And I remember I was actually kind of disappointed because it was more of a wax house than that- a monster house. Uh,
0: yes, exactly. And that's why, you know, it's 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 built as Universal Classic Monsters, but it's more their likeness, uh, as opposed to anything. The main antagonist, Gunter is the real story, because in the Dipping Room right at the end, he's kind of, you know, met his demise by being encased in wax. But, right, um, Tim, what are you thinking? Uh, horror in wax. Uh,
1: well, I have a question for Brian, since he kind of went through it. I know, <laughs> I know the memory's hazy. So, this was just more like not a lot of scare actors, and just like the wax figures themselves.
2: Basically, it was okay. It was the wax figures come to life and some of the wax figures just so happen to be monsters. Oh, so it yeah. wasn't a okay. universal monster house. So there was a lot of characters that were quote wax victims. So they were, you know, melted or, or, you know, it was like the house of wax movie. Basically that's what it was. It was yeah, more house of wax yeah, yeah. than universal monsters.
1: Get it. Get it. Um, but I mean, this, I don't know. I feel like, so they're doing all kinds of, like, making sure that there's, like, multiple monsters
0: in each house so far? Yeah. Might- I, yeah. Apart from, like, The Mummy, which is on a movie. Right. It's more of, like, a compilation of all of them as up to right now. I would agree with that, Tim. Yep.
1: Okay. I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm stating that correctly. Which, um, which is a
0: good segue. Yes. Yes, really is. Because, <laughs> Tim, yo, I think, and, and then I know, I know you for a fact, Brian, there's... There might be more, but there is one maze in particular from this year we're going to get into, which is I think it's I think it's probably in your top five, right? Maybe top three. Yeah, yeah top three. Yeah. awesome. So, Tim, do you want to take us through two thousand nine?
1: Uh, yeah, we can do that. Um, so after a four-year absence from the event, uh, the monsters came back with a bang at Halloween Horror Nights, uh, ripped from the silver screen in two thousand nine. Uh, the monsters featured in three mazes and a scare zone. Firstly, uh, Horrorwood Die-In was the scare zone that featured the monsters, which was located in Hollywood Boulevard. This was mostly contemporary horror, but Frankenstein's Monster and the Wolfman were featured, sort of a dress rehearsal before All Night Die-In double feature. Then we have the first monster maze was the Wolfman, who also featured on advertising, event guide, and merchandise. Uh, This was the 2010 remake starring Benicio Del Toro and was located in Soundstage 22. The house begins in the gypsy camp where the wagon trailers have been wrecked and covered in blood splatter. Moving on, the guests enter the woods on the moors where they are attacked by a werewolf as actors try to shoot the beast. Venture through an asylum, the woods, the ice house with the wolfman hunting victims, and you. Yeah. And then we have, next up was Frankenstein. uh, Creation of the Damned, located in Soundstage 23. A newer take where Frankenstein's monster returns to get revenge on the Doctor and Fritz. Uh, All set in the castle and the laboratory. Uh, Horrific failed creations of Dr. Frankenstein are in the maze, too, and in different rooms in the cell portion of the maze. And then finally, to complete the trilogy on the monsters was Dracula, Legacy and Blood, uh, which also shared Soundstage 23. You descend through Dracula's castle, encountering his brides, Renfield, and a lot of colored strobes. You walk through the library, the catacombs underneath the castle until you made your way to the final room, which is the infamous pressing room. And then we are left with the bat-like version of Dracula as we exit the maze.
0: Ooh, what a bumper year! Two thousand and nine mm, uh, was <laughs> so. I think <laughs> uh, we're going to save Dracula Legacy and Blood to the end on this one. Um, no. nah, <laughs> <laughs> for a reason, you're going to take us away with that one, Brian. But firstly, the scares on Horror Would Die in. I labelled it as sort of a dress rehearsal for All Night Die in double feature without the kind of black and white switch over. Would that be fair? Do you think, Tim?
1: Well, I mean I wasn't there, but I would say yes.
0: <laughs> from from what you've heard then. From what you've heard, yes, I guess. From what I've heard, yeah, for sure. And then Brian, you actually you actually saw it. Is that is that fair I, sort of a dress rehearsal? They've kind of they've gonna they're gonna do this again in a big way at twenty-five. Yeah, in fact I think I still have some photos from that year.
2: Um that's one of the first year yeah, that would be the first year where I was actually, quote, a blogger. So <laughs> there you go. Um yeah. But yeah, I, I would say so.
0: Yeah, and it, and it works. You know, that kind of movie theater drive-through. You know, I think it kind of works. And then let's go over to The Wolfman. Um, I This this did get bashed a little bit. I, I did quite enjoy this. I thought that the, um, the scenery, the aesthetic was really good. I think it was lacking on scales, to be honest. Did you like this one, Brian?
2: Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Nice, um, yeah. I think it had some really great, creative scares the, the last scene with the wolfman bungee scare was yes pretty fantastic um the transformation room was really well done uh, i think ultimately a lot of people were hating on it because it was supposed to be released by the time horror nights 19 started or at least within the time frame of its of its run and then it got pushed back until february of the next year and i think a lot of people were kind of sour on a wolfman remake so I think that kind of fed
0: into the whole, oh, we, we don't like this. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, it did get pushed back until um, kind of like early spring, late winter of 2010. So it's tough when you have an intellectual property you're pulling from, but you haven't seen any of it. Probably not even a trailer, maybe. Well, maybe maybe there was a trailer at the time. I can't remember. There were, yeah,
2: there was. Cause was. I, I, yeah, because I remember specifically it came out February 14th, 2010.
0: Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So, and it's, it's tough, isn't it? I think I feel like if, they, if they're if doing an intellectual property, which is coming up, that, that we haven't seen yet, they have to nail it, which I think is why. A lot of people are a little bit lower on that. Um, and then next up, and I think as well, well we're going to get to the next two anyway, which is probably why it was pushed to the uh, back burner a little bit. Uh, Next up, Frankenstein, Creation of the Damned, located in Soundstage 23. I absolutely love this one. I love the kind of twist and take. Uh, And this is what I always harken back to when they take their own property. Because it's funny when people say, is it original? Is it an IP? Well, it's sort of a hybrid, right? And this just kind of hits the nail on the head with that hybrid. It's a newer take where Frankenstein's monster returns, gets revenge. On you know, Fritz, because Fritz in the movies kind of torturing him, so it's it's kind of good how it comes full circle and he kind of gets his own back and the failed creations as because we didn't really see that in the actual Frankenstein movie. What happened before he, you know, resurrected or created Frankenstein? Well, it was all these kind of botched um operations that kind of work but didn't, and they're kind of roaming, you know, the lab. But I think it was a really, really cool take on this. Um do you enjoy this one, Brian?
2: Yeah. Uh, in fact, um, up until recently, when I finally redid my top 25 houses, it was in my top 25. Nice. Um, towards the lower end, but I think it was a really well recreation or reinterpretation of uh, Frankenstein's monster into a modern sort of take, or I guess Horror Nights modern take. And I mean, I'm going to beat myself up over for this, but I actually had, back then, they, you were allowed to
0: videotape
2: uh, during Unmasking the Horror. So I had a complete walkthrough, empty, of Frankenstein and Dracula,
0: and wow, I don't know where they are. That, yes, <laughs> that's Man, very. You cool. Need to,
1: yeah. you need to find that.
0: There, I, no, that's has
1: gone. 100%. <laughs> that's a shame.
0: That is that's a crying shame. I, I have a few photos, but I
2: cannot find the video. Wow, and
0: you'll remember. I'll tell this you off well. air yes <laughs> <laughs> and you'll remember this as well brian the one of their kind of promo videos for that year was bill and ted trading their um time traveling phone booth to a security guard f- to, to get early access to a maze and it was frankenstein creation of the damned and he'd give you like a uh, that, yeah you know like a minute sneak peek on the maze which is really really cool um Tim, do you like this? Like a more original takes? We, we, we're going to get into it now with the more contemporary years we're going to go over, but do you like yeah. the original take on it?
1: I do, actually. And like, I know you guys, you both were at this year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I love that there's three houses dedicated to three different monsters. Yeah. And it's, and it's not a mashup of, you know, these three in a house or these two in a house or whatever. It's literally just, you know, one is based on The Wolfman, one is based on Frankenstein, one is based on Dracula.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, because that's the only year where they've done multiple mazes with just one dedicated. So to me, obviously it didn't go, but to me, this sounds awesome. Like, I would be so hyped for this. Yes. And then speaking of hyped, Brian, the next one, um, the Dracula Legacy and Blood, that's shared Soundstage 23 with Frankenstein. Very fitting Wow. This maze, um, the facade was wonderful. I always think, you know, the facade where it's the castle and these kind of bodies, I don't know what the technical term is. They're on those kind of spikes outside a castle, you know, all the bodies outside. I'm wondering if they could do something like that for Dueling Dragons this year, where there's some kind of scorched bodies and some bodies in ice to kind of set the scene. I'm wondering if they do that, but t- take it away, Brian, go ahead with Dracula Legacy in Blood.
2: Well, where do I begin? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of wish Drew was on this this episode because, whew,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That, that was still, he was still a little baby in the Horror Nights terms, and he refused to do that house more than once, um, to put in perspective how, how great it was. Um, it is my number three house of all time. Wow. Um, to put it into context, Halloween yeah. from 24 okay. is second, and then Scream House from 2002 is my first. Because um, you never forget your first. Um, But basically, this was Horror Nights taking the core of the Dracula story, which was Vlad the Impaler, and really honing out on that aspect of the tale. And really, I mean, Legacy and Blood is an apt title because that, that house was extremely bloody, extremely feral is a good way to put it. Um, especially the brides no pun intended um <laughs> um i believe that also is the first year or one of the first years where they use several of the tricks that you usually see nowadays in the house which is the flying uh there, there was a portion of the maze where you were outside the castle like one of the turrets mm-hmm. and one of the vampires were was was it dracula or well, whatever but he was flying over you stalking you um and then the hallway uh, filled with statues, and one of them were were um, was a live actor. I think that was the first year, but don't don't kill me if I'm wrong. But um, but ultimately, what made this maze was the finale because it was just an all out blitz of several different brides and Dracula himself in his final form, just just coming at you. And I remember when I did that maze with Drew because uh, he w- he was in New York. He's like, I'm not doing that house again. <laughs> as soon as you finish like that, I'm one and done. And and I really wish there was there was footage or at least clear footage to, so people can understand how awesome that house was. It truly is one of the special houses that they've done. And it's great because it's one of the, the legacy characters.
1: That's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, I think Sensory Overload, absolutely. In, in the best way possible, completely agree. Um, and like you said, because it's, it's it's a universal classic monster that they've done their original take on, makes it even that more special. And I feel that maybe, maybe it is, but I feel like it doesn't get talked about too often in the circles as being one of the great, great houses. Um, but yeah, completely in agreement. 2009, stellar, stellar year for the monsters. So just a quick one. I know we so time here but just a quick one then so the last time we had a monster maze was 2000 well sorry we had a, we had a monster maze in 2001 which was the, which was the mummy returns right kind of a kind of a loose you know sequel to the original mummy we had sort of the monsters in horror in wax but then we didn't have really them again to 2009 so 2001 to 2009 really if you take away horror in wax which is a loose then what what reason do you think that there was a bit of a low, like kind of eight year stretch there really without any kind of presence, Tim.
1: I mean, maybe it's like, kind of like what Brian said earlier, you know, we just, they just kind of had to give it a rest. Yeah. Um, you know, don't go to the well too often, but uh, you know, they know they have them in their back pocket. I mean, they own it. Right.
0: Yeah. I think at that point they did six, seven years in a row as well. Uh, Brian. Yeah.
2: Um, I, I think, that would probably fall in line with, I mean, horror in, in general ebbs and flows. And you, know, you have a streak where like vampires are popular. Then you have another streak where the zombies are the in thing.
0: Then you have a yeah. streak
2: where it's the paranormal and the found footage. And in this decade or era, if you will, it was the gore footage, hostile, saw, things like that. So monsters didn't really play into what was going on in pop culture at the time. So I think it was a little what Tim said of, you know, giving it time to breathe, but also that's not what the people wanted.
0: Right. And do you think it has anything to do with like the icon years? Maybe, maybe I I don't think that, I mean, the monsters were always popular, obviously. I don't think a universal monsters maze would have taken away from an icon, but do you think maybe that is why they put on the back burner as well to maybe take away, you know, to not take away any shine from the icon at all. It's possible.
2: Um, I mean, if you think about it, the, the, the icon this year was the Usher, so it made sense to include him, whereas other years, outside of the director, everything kind of had its own spin. You know, yeah. Storyteller, caretaker, Jack, twice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they were more sadistic, whereas, whereas the director focused more on uh, the licensed IP characters that they didn't quote unquote license, like hockey face, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. When you think about those early years, they've, <laughs> they had, they had Halloween and Poltergeist and Exorcist. And it's funny how we've gotten all those mazes since, but we, they were definitely not licensed at that time. So it's just funny to think about, think about it that way. But yeah, no, no, obviously no real right or wrong answer, more of a speculation, but um, yeah, let's continue. So um, we, we have to wait over three years after, um, the ushers year 2009 and it and I, this wasn't supposed to happen i don't believe but uh it was universal's house of horrors uh, this was located in the were- uh, parade warehouse at halloween horror nights 22 um this was, this maze would honor the hundred year legacy of the universal classic monsters ma- the this maze was a late replacement and it was late very very late to be constructed Um, You entered in with scores from monster movies and the posters of the movies that would feature. Again, we descended into each monster's usual setting with the added uniqueness of the black light hues with strobe effects similar to that of Dead Exposure. Um, Brian, you'll probably know more than I, I think, was this supposed to be a chupacabra maze initially? But because of Transformers, the, the Transformers era, they had to move it.
2: Yeah, it definitely was, it was a result of Transformers last minute construction. Um, depending on who you ask, you'll either get, it was either Aztec house because 2012, you know, all that stuff.
0: Oh, of course. Or, yeah. Chupacabra,
2: or Chupacabra. Those are the two common beliefs.
0: Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. it ended up working out, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, um, and, and I read somewhere, I, I when I, at this, at this point in time, I hit the event, like mid mid-october at this point but i did read somewhere that you could even smell the paint on opening night you could still smell the fresh paint uh it was that late of construction and you know which is a bit of a do well, what we to dwell too much imagine universal classic monsters in a usual setting compilation maze but that exposure right The uh the kind of strobes the whole way through it um tim gonna do 24 sure
1: All right, so in 2014, at Halloween Horror Nights 24, the then-unreleased Dracula Untold, Reign of Blood, came to Soundstage 24. This was an attempt at a collaboration to feature the upcoming movie and uh, garner interest for it, too. You entered a castle and traversed deeper, seeing victims and minions of Dracula with two different rooms of statue scares. Although it was billed as an immersive preview for the movie, a lot of this maze was cut from the theatrical release of the movie. At Halloween Horror Nights 25, the monsters returned in a scare zone in the black and white cast of All Night Dying double feature in San Francisco.
0: Woo. Yeah, so 20 Dracula Untold Reign of Blood. Uh this I think this this was my this was low this was the lowest maze on my list that year after the event, uh in terms of ranking. I just I didn't I don't think I got many scares uh, in here. And I think creative were furious as well when I think the I don't know what, what happened, but in production they told them that these parts were being cut. The house was already constructed, so they couldn't do much about it. Brian, did you enjoy this maze? I did not know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it was ultimately fine, but it, it definitely Um if you want to look into this, this is start this is the period where it starts kind of going away from what we know from Horror Nights, from the icon years to sort of the modern era. This is where it starts to blur, and you can tell in some cases they're trying to figure it out themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm just very, very vanilla maze. It was just left, left scare, right scare. There wasn't too much to it. Uh, and again, if you're pulling from a an intellectual property that you haven't seen yet, you've you've, you've got to nail it. It's got to be treated like an original. Uh, and then 25, I'm sure you've seen this Tim because you, your first year was 26, right? Correct. Yeah, we were yep. supposed to go to 25, and I'm
1: I'm kind of mad that we did not start that year because yeah, was, was gonna difficult. say
2: I feel like I saw you at 25,
1: but I guess not. No, I real. wish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I I watched so many videos of this scare zone. I just the whole two casts, you know, the black and white and then the colored, you know, feature. Uh, that, just brilliant. Brilliant that they did this.
0: Yeah. I love this one. And I I love they did the kind of things we haven't really well, we have seen in mazes, but they had, you know, like Doctor Frankenstein, Nosferatu. So they did other black and white monsters. I, I assume you like this one, Brian.
2: Oh yeah, some of the, some of these characters really brought it. Um, the, I mean, the modern version of the cast. You had Carrie, who unfortunately this is the start of when you start hearing horror tales of this characters getting abused. But she, yeah. she was just absolutely phenomenal.
0: Amazing. And yep. then,
2: and the black and white cast, you had dr frankenstein who was just (laughs) he was a character he was (laughs) he was just just over the top and loving it
0: yeah really really good i love this one um very unique how they had the two sets yeah worked very very well and then four years later in this is the um i'd say the renaissance or the revival of the monster mazes because we've had every you know we've had one every year since. So this was simply titled Universal Monsters, located in the second parade warehouse. And the description read: Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, the world's most terrifying monsters have come together to tear you apart. It's the more the scarier. Now, very very cool. The facade, stone building, stone statues. There's one Universal classic monster missing. Uh oh, it's the Wolfman. Uh, it's the, kind of the first kind of scare you see. And then you descended to each monster setting to create more of a compilation house that they've attempted in the past until we got the final room where we had Wolfman, Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein. And then we had the infamous Frankenstein's monster scare at the end. Um, Tim, this would have been your real first glimpse at um, universal monsters at horror nights. Take, us away.
1: Uh, I was so excited about this house because I finally got to, you know, see the monsters, uh, this was great because this was just a mashup house of like everything. Yeah, I loved I, it.
0: I uh, think for you, that's that's a good thing as well to start with, right? The
1: mashup. Yeah, I was just going to say this was probably the best start for me um, instead of being, you know, just a single house, if it was Dracula or the mummy or whoever, um, just to get that whole, you know, just to get that little taste of everybody. Um, it was a fantastic house. It's not my favorite monster's house. We'll get to that soon. Um but this was really really good
0: yeah and then Brian the first kind of collaboration house we've had since 22 um, did you enjoy this one?
2: Oh yeah um, it was a great start to introduce fans of Horror Nights who, who weren't familiar with the monsters and obviously it was a love letter to monster fans um, if it, I, just to slide this in real quick I think 28-29 is where now you really get into the modern era of Horror Nights, where now it has all new fans because of Stranger Things, obviously. So this really is like an establishing year for the the modern crowds. So good thing that it started with the monsters.
0: Yeah, I think they hit the nail on the head there as well. I think they got a lot of... You know, they got a lot of butts through the door because of Stranger Things. And just think of all the bigger IPs we've had around this time, right? American Horror Story, you know, just to, you know, The Shining, you know, Poltergeist, just to kind of name a few of the bigger, bigger horrors, which may have been, you know, some people's first kind of, you know, step stepping into Horror Nights for the first time. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they thought, you know what, let's do the Universal Classic Monsters. Let's make it a compilation maze. Let's include everybody. Now we've got all these new fans. So... Yeah, makes complete sense. Um, Tim, is it the next one?
1: All right. So during 2020 and 2021, given the situation of the pandemic, The Bride of Frankenstein Lives, featured both years, and was located in Soundstage 23. This would be a sequel to the prior maze as it picked up where Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory was reduced to rubble. The facade was the burning ruins of the castle with the bride mourning the monster. She wanted to reanimate Frankenstein and learn that the blood of Dracula- Dracula's brides could help do this scares from the brides and scenes pitting bride against them. Monster was finally reanimated and had a final scare with bride at the end with Dracula's bride severed heads on stakes above this house by far to me has been the most superior monsters house they've done. I could not agree more like that, that facade and that just the whole house itself. I mean, the sets in there were incredible
0: yeah set story even the commercial that came with yeah. it oh you know, man brian. i mean that's probably the best commercial ever yeah and i think this as well is and i i actually I, there was one night i went through it with you brian i think tom was there it was probably one of the the best f- actual runs of a house i've ever had
2: yeah i, I think i remember which it was one of the first times tom was in town i
0: think it just was right? just incredible i absolutely love this maze i always say Um, I always say my favorite house of all times Dead Exposure, but I always say if I'm picking a more contemporary option, it's this, hands down. I absolutely love it.
2: I think um, had it not had the circumstances of the pandemic, I think it it would be a lot higher on top 10 lists. But understandably, they had to adjust, and so you had a house with barriers and masks and all that, so it kind of brought it down a level. But had this been its original incarnation, I feel like it would have really been an
0: all timer. Even
2: though even though technically it already is, I
0: guess. Yeah. And I think as well, just us saying how high we are on this maze, how much we love this maze, and given the kind of constraints it had, I think just speaks volume about this, wouldn't you think?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I know a lot of people I guess it's sort of a blessing, um, in a way, kind of word to say that considering COVID. Um, that they would not have introduced themselves to Horror Nights had it not been for the daytime operations of the Bride of Frankenstein and Return to the Tooth Fairy.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: So this was a lot of people that that were welcomed into Horror Nights with this property.
0: Yeah, that's funny as well because just a regular daytime guest could walk up and experience. You know, this maze and the tooth fairy for the for the very first time. So yeah, I mean, walking through this one, it's a it's a great one for them to walk into. Um, absolutely. But I agree with you guys in this kind of I call that like the Renaissance era for the monsters, this is hands down uh my favorite, but another another solid one we're gonna get into right now. Uh this is the most recent maze we've had. Um Halloween Horror Nights 31. We had Universal Monsters Legends collide. It was a dual coast story. Uh, This was located on our uh, coast in the Parade Warehouse. It was an original story involving Dracula, Mummy, and the Wolfman, as opposed to a compilation maze of prior events. Uh, The description summed it up as Dracula, Wolfman, and the Mummy will come together as Universal Transport's guest of the 19th century with the trio of monsters seeking one thing, the Amulet of Ra. The Wolfman believes his ancient relic contains the power to finally lift his dreaded curse, while Dracula and the Mummy have nefarious plans to use it to bring humankind to its knees, with the four men on the rise and the race against time, guests find themselves entangled in a bloodthirsty battle between the terrifying Titans, and only one will survive. So the main theme was obviously Egyptian. You'd enter through the dig site, obviously Egyptian themes all the way through, hieroglyphics, statues could be seen through the maze. We had the three, the triple scare, then all three monsters feature with different scares. And we had a unique one of three endings where one of the universal monsters reigned supreme in this scenario, I feel like I never, I don't I don't think I collected all three. I believe, I think it was like the mummy every time for me. I mean, I assume you did Brian. Did Tim, did you get all three uh, endings? I think I got all three endings
1: if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. I feel like I went at different times too. And obviously people are cutting on to the kind of set list, you know, when, when it's going to be, but I don't think I got all three. I think I missed, um, I'm sure I missed, uh, the Wolfman. I think, but I, I, I got all three in Hollywood. Um, nice
2: but it, it seemed like towards the end of the event it really was a lot more of the mummy winning
1: at least yeah I, you know,
2: before i had like an even split oh this time was dracula this time was wolfman at the end it was a lot of
1: the mummy the whole house was the mummy
0: <laughs> yeah but, but do you know do you know what i, I kind of like they had a setting um because i think in past events it's been i'd call it like low-hanging fruit right where they do Dracula in a castle in a crypt, Wolfman Outdoors, they do the mummy in, you know, Egyptian, obviously, style. So I, I, kind of, I kind of liked how they kept one theme or one setting and incorporated the three months. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it was a great concept. Yeah. Uh, the, the only thing that I think brought it down a little bit
2: was the cast could sometimes be hit or miss. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then them trying to connect it to Hollywood because it did not make sense, any of the connections, other than they had the same monsters.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that this this was the first maze I did. I did it with you and Drew, uh, Brian, for the first time. And I went through and I was like, ooh, there there was like hardly anybody in there. And then I came out and then you and Drew said, "Oh, that was a really bad run because I was late that year. You guys have obviously done it probably double digits at that point when you said no, you kind of reassured me saying, no, that that was a bad run. It's, it's, it's definitely a good me. So I, I do get what you're saying, by it was hit and miss. But um, yeah, there, there was a lot of, a lot of, towards the end, they finally got their footing. And that that's why when
2: you ever do rankings and you do a house like once, it may be the worst run you've ever had, but to everybody else, it may be it got to your house. That's because things happen like that.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So Tim, quickly then, so if the three you've done, well, obviously, Bride of Frankenstein's number one. Where would you slot this in from, like, the Universal Monsters from 29 and then this one? Which is second and third?
1: Uh, this would be third, and then the first Universal Monsters would be second. Right. Are you
0: saying, Brian? Uh,
2: bride first, Legend second. first,
0: And then, nah, okay. Yeah, so, and I think as well, we didn't, we got, apart from the... How in Horror Nights 22 where we had the House of Horrors, that was obviously a late replacement. So at that point, we would not have had a stretch then from like 19 really to 29 for all the monsters. And I think because there was such a heavy IP stretch we we're in, that's probably the reason they kind of stepped away at it uh, for a little bit. But that brings us then, Tim, to, um, to yeah. uh, like, I guess, oh, eight so days from us- now. Yeah, Universal
1: Monsters Unmasked House that will be featured at hhn thirty two.
0: Yes, love it. I'm just I'm sad there was no commercial. Um, yeah, me too. Very very sad. I love the graphic. I love the monsters. I know I read somewhere, you know, when if you, like an NBA teams up by 25 points in the fourth quarter they put in like the you know the second string um for this maze, but I could not be happier with who's featured and yeah, they they, they can really nail this one. Um excited for this one, Tim.
1: I am. I think I, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I had it uh, like midway in the middle of the pack there. Uh, just because they're the the monsters that are featured in here are not some of my favorites, you yeah. know, they're they're fine. How dare you? I, I know, <laughs> I know. Listen, I'm not, I'm not angry. I'm not mad. It's just in the middle of the pack for right now. I'm hoping it raises to the top, and I hope this is a killer house. Uh, I'm just, I think I'm just, I'm just a little, you know, jaded because you know, Gilman is not there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, next year, Tim, don't worry. And then, Brian, I know that you had this quite high on your, um, because you came on for our kind of announcement episode. You're quite high on this one, right? Yep. Love me some Phantom. Yeah, keep, <laughs> keep it coming. If they're going to be, you know, we've, we've talked about the last three years, well, four years because of the pandemic prior to this. If they're all solid, keep them coming until the uh, they're eventually going to go away anyway. But that, my friends, is it uh, in terms of the mazes scare zones that have been featured there are there are obviously a lot more things they've been featuring at halloween horror nights orlando we're just focusing on the mazes and the scare zones so we wanted to do something more of a mini episodes we're almost at 50 minutes now so we're going to kind of call it call it quits here uh, but firstly uh, we always appreciate brian joining us he's just a an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, if you're not following inside universal, make sure you are because we have pretty much daily updates now, uh, from the event and during the event. But as opposed to me speaking for you, Brian, go, take it away. Where can, pe- where can people find you? Well, firstly, I appreciate the kind
2: words. I always love talking horror nights history. So when you invited me on, I said, say less. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but of course you can find me at inside universal throughout social media. Um, guess we're coming to the end of daily updates since we're starting next week. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank but like God I said, if you're not following <laughs> the sure issue, you're following it. It's great. And, um, we did got a lot of, a lot of footage there from the tribute store, which looks phenomenal. So we can't wait to go and check that out, uh, in person. But yeah, like I said, we, we always, we always appreciate you coming on here and, um, Tim, sorry, I can only pick on one person. Where can people find us? Well, uh,
1: they can find us at RIP tour podcast on Twitter. Instagram, threads, uh, YouTube, we have a Discord server, and we have a spreadshirt for some product.
0: What about blue sky?
1: No, we haven't we haven't ventured over there yet.
0: Maybe maybe that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace just Tom follows can. us on MySpace. Let's, just, that's let's it.
1: go to MySpace, that's it.
0: Tim good job good job thanks man Brian quickly before we run out of time what about your merch I've got I'm wearing it right now
2: yes thank you for the shameless plug opportunity (laughs) yes Um, Inside Universal does have a merch store it is currently 35% off site-wide with tees starting at $16
0: and more yes I just got my Halloween shirt for this year love it got it on right now I got the charcoal version I'm very happy with it so I'll be sporting it one night in the fog as well but that's it guys thank you both of you guys for joining me this evening uh, we're almost there eight days away from this recording we're gonna have one more episode we're gonna revert back to our first timers episode to acquaint more of the newer people maybe tenured people because there's, there's a lot of changes as well at the event but that's everything we appreciate you listening as always but for now bye bye take care <laughs>